Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Barely Backcountry Podcast. Today we have Gabe Jarish on from Backwoods Pursuits. Um, he's running that Instagram page, that YouTube channel, and that uh, website. So if any of you guys are familiar with gear reviews, I'm sure you've seen his. Um, that's pretty much all he does is reviewing any type of hunting gear, whether it be optics, tripods, um, backpacks, boots, any other backcountry hunting gear. And that's kind of what we talk about in this podcast. We kind of give you guys a good breakdown of you know some of the first things you should start considering if you want to get into backcountry hunting um, we really focus on your pack your boots and your sleep system which are kind of what we agreed on being the most important things that are gonna that you need to be alive and be comfortable if you're gonna go on a backcountry hunt so hopefully you guys enjoyed it but before we get into that interview with Gabe if you guys want to check out the podcast social media it's barely underscore backcountry underscore podcast on Instagram and then my personal is c.dillashaw but without any further ado, I'll get you into that conversation with Gabe. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Barely Backcountry Podcast. Today we've got Gabe Jarish on from, was it Backwoods Pursuit? Did I get that right? Yep, you got it. Perfect. Yeah. So he runs a pretty good gear review, YouTube channel, website, all that stuff. But Gabe, if you want to introduce yourself, tell me a little about that and we can get started. Yeah. You bet. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Caleb. Um, no problem. Yeah, uh, Backwoods Pursuit is uh, was, uh Kind of a product of you know loving gear and whatnot, and a little over four years ago, just got into doing uh, articles and videos, that sort of thing, and and uh, putting all the all the the gear testing onto paper and video, and and uh, so it's it's growing into a lot more than that now with a with a yeah. team of, of folks to help review and everything, and and it's really uh, it's a lot of fun, and we get to touch a lot of gear and test yeah. out a lot of gear throughout the year, and so it's. It's a, a great avenue to to do what we love and uh, continue to find new new gear out there that wouldn't otherwise get to get to uh, test out and review and, and look at and share that with folks and hopefully it's helpful for other folks looking to get into different parts of hunting and backpacking and backpack hunting and and uh, help them make their gear selections. Nice. Have you always yeah. kind of been like super into the gear side of it or is it just kind of something you? you got into once you started this whole thing or um not i guess i would say not always you know growing up uh yeah like probably a lot of us you know hunted a lot of a lot of years in cotton and bdu camo pants from the army navy store and those kinds of things you know and yeah. and uh, as as it grew grew up more and started getting into more of uh, more backcountry hunting and whatnot started getting into more of the gear and and that was probably the last you know, 15, 20 years, got, got more into the gear side of things as well. And obviously love hunting as well. So it, it uh, kind of has grown into its own little, own little thing now. Nice. How did you get into hunting? Was that like a family thing or you did it on your own or? Yeah, I grew up hunting. I started hunting, uh, gosh, when I was a kid, you could, I uh, think you could hunt when you were 12. I think it's 10 now here in, in Idaho, but okay. maybe nine, uh, but 12 was the youngest you could hunt. So I started going with my dad before then. And and yeah, I started started deer and elk hunting from that age on, and of course did a ton of waterfowl hunting and upland game and everything else, and and I uh, just haven't stopped ever since. Nice, nice. Yeah. What uh, yeah. do you ha- kind of have like a background in the outdoor industry or at all, as other than your your own brand? But did you do some stuff from or for other companies before that, or? Not really. Um, the, I, before I started writing, I, I did just some freelance writing for a little bit for a, a okay. local shop here, but not really. I kind of just cut my teeth on this and uh, 
you know, never had you know, started a website or was not very good with the camera and <laughs> uh, and whatnot. So I had to learn all of that from scratch. And there's a lot of, of rough stuff at the beginning, I'm sure, if I go back and watch it now yeah. as you continue to learn. But, uh, but yeah, it, was, it probably took about six months of just uh, frustration of figuring out how to how to uh, you know, obtain a URL and and build a website from scratch. I never never done anything like that. So um, so it was really a ground up kind of thing, and it was wasn't born from a a love for the technical side of things as far as technology and that that sort of thing. It was more yeah from the from the hunting and gear side of thing, and I had I had to learn that part to do it. So yeah <laughs> yeah Definitely. so yeah. What is the kind of tell me how, how what has your year looked like for your hunting season? Have you had some good luck this year? Or? Yeah, we had a fun year. Um, nice. this year, uh, we you know, did some archery elk hunting, I did some rifle elk hunting and rifle deer hunting as well. Um, uh, my, my son, my youngest son, who's 11, got his uh, second buck this year, and my wife got her first. Right. Um, so that was awesome. Um, she's, my wife's been archery elk hunting with me for a lot of years. And of course my son just got old enough as well. And he's been coming along for quite a few years also. So we do a lot of backpacking together and, and, uh, but yeah, we got, got to quite a few deer, our, our family, I think got to six, filled six out of seven buck tags and, and I didn't, didn't quite fill the archery elk tag, but we had, had a, an arrow deflection on a, a big 330 plus bull this ah. year, which was, which was a bummer. And, yep. <laughs> but uh, it was a, the, one of the, the sweetest call-ins we've had in a lot of years. So that was worth it nonetheless. So, um, and then, then I had a, a smaller bull that just hung behind a tree for, for probably 15 to 20 minutes and <laughs> would not, would not step out for me. So that was, had a couple of close calls this year and got into a lot of wolves and unfortunately, and, and it, saw something this year that we well not we didn't see we heard it and found a wolf kill we heard a, a, a pack of wolves move in on some elk that were running and they moved in and killed one of the bulls and we heard it happen and uh went over a couple of days later and found the wolf kill that was it was it was cool but not not cool at the same time yeah <laughs> so yeah but yeah so you guys running into a big wolf problem in your area yeah they've They've really, they've really taken their toll on the on the elk herds and, and their behavior and activity have changed a lot over the last, what, 15 or plus years since they introduced wolves here. Yeah. So it's, it's really changed the behavior quite a bit, but yeah, it's just one of the, one of the challenges you have to try to overcome. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, there's two sides to it. I mean, obviously Colorado yeah. just reintroduced wolves or yeah. they voted to do it. I don't know if they yep. actually executed that plan yet or not, but yeah. 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 From what I've seen, it doesn't seem to work well anywhere. So. Yeah. But yep. that's a whole another. <laughs> that's a whole, whole discussion. Whole another controversial <laughs> conversation. Exactly. But, yep. For sure. But, yeah. So, do you do pretty much most of your hunting up in Idaho, or do you get out of state much? Or. Uh, most of it, yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, I went down to Colorado. Some a couple of my brothers lived down in Colorado, and they they help test some gear and, and review things as well. So, so I get try to get down there, and and we're getting. In some points that um, in Montana and Wyoming, Colorado, and and going to decide when to cash those in as well. So at yeah. some point here, we'll we'll do that. So it'll be fun. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Do you have a preference on you know like rifle versus archery hunting? Do you fall get more into one of those, or you kind of do both? Um, I do both, but I prefer archery elk hunting. Yeah. Um, and then I I've, haven't gotten the archery mule deer bug yet, but I. I I'm sure that I will. <laughs> yeah. So I'd, 
tend to, to dedicate my September for archery elk and then uh, do a rifle mule deer hunting and, and uh, have gotten back into to rifle hunting quite a bit in the last couple of years as well and, and start playing around with some long range and reloading, reloading and, and all that good stuff. So that's its own rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. What's your what's your archery setup looking like? Obviously, that's something I kind of geek yeah. out over. I'm interested to see what you're running. Yeah. Um, I've, I surprisingly haven't changed a lot. Obviously doing what I do, I change things all the time, yeah. <laughs> um, but I haven't changed my bow in a couple of years. I'm still shooting the, that, uh, Bowtech Realm SR6 that nice. I picked up back, back when it came out. Um, and then see, I'm still shooting the black old pro site and, uh, the stabilizer from SNS archery, their tracker pro, um, then shooting the day six arrows, um, okay. with their, with their broadhead. I might, I'm thinking of trying those severs this year since Idaho just made mechanicals legal. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's been a good setup for me and uh, nice. but I'm sure I'll change something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Archery, especially when it comes to like arrow building and all that stuff, that's yeah. kind of where I geek out on i haven't gone yeah. into the reloading rabbit hole yet but i'm sure i will yeah. at some point yeah but, uh, the arrow build it's like i'm always chasing like that perfect arrow right. build or that perfect arrow setup whether it be you know yeah main configurations or yeah foc and all that stuff like, yeah i know what i like and i know the certain specs that i that seem right. to tune easiest and all yep. that, that gives me the right arrow flight but right I'm just looking for you know better ways to go about it so yeah now that yeah, we'd, go ahead. I uh, see. So yeah, the uh, some recent some fun jokes among some of our team members is that I've, I'm blessed with some some good specs for an archer of, of long arms. Even though I'm not that tall, I'm just five eleven, but I have a thirty inch draw, Dang. and so so I get to shoot a, a five hundred eighty five grain arrow, and it's it's going at five or two seventy two, which is just about where I like it. Yeah, so it's a it's a nice heavy arrow going pretty fast. So. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the speed that I like. I think right now yeah. my arrows are going right in that same kind of mid 270s. Yeah. I'd like it to be up in the 280s just to be able to get a little more range out of my sight. But, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, where it's at right now and my arrows 490 grains now. Okay. That Bowtech is quite a bit faster than a Matthews. Um at yeah. least the older Bowtechs were pretty right. fast. So yeah, and that has its pros and cons, as you know. It's not very forgiving, and it's yeah. not the most enjoyable thing to shoot either. But you know, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, there's, yeah, I think kind of that middle of the road setup. Like for most people, set up though, your arrow would be way too heavy for them. But it seems to yeah. be working good for you, and you're getting plenty of speed yeah. out of it. So yeah, yeah, it's it's been fine. I kind of played around with pin gaps and what I wanted there and went heavier and, and, and lighter. And, yeah. and that just seemed to be a, a pretty, a pretty good sweet spot for tuning and pin yeah. gap where I wanted it and, and all that sort of thing. So definitely. Yeah. Especially kinda, if you're ooh, shooting yeah. fixed blades, sometimes yeah. fixed blades, once you get over that 290, 300, they can get a little, yeah. little iffy. On you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. That's cool. Yeah. So you, you got any plans? I know we're getting close to obviously the spring bear season. Are you getting out for spring bear mm -hmm. in Idaho or? I mean, spring bear is something I've only done a little bit of, and I want to do more of, and I'm probably yep. going to try to tag along with some of our, our guys here, nice. see if we can get out there. But I, I haven't, haven't, that's one of those, another one of those bugs I haven't gotten real heavy yet, but, uh, but I, I need to. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I've only ever done it once. I went up to Idaho 
a few years ago with a friend, and we tried to go into the Frank Church, and we got our oh, okay. butts handed to us um, <laughs> over the course yeah. of a week, and spent more time hiking yeah. into spots that ended up being covered in snow than we did actually hunting. But right, that's pretty unforgiving. I need up there. to get back up there. Yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. Nice. You got yeah. any plans for the fall yet? Have you kind of got your draw applications figured out, or are you still working on that plan? Yeah, I just I just got my son uh, set up with his bow. We got it just actually just got it all tuned and and everything arrows built and whatnot. So uh, he's gonna archery elk hunt this year for the first time. So that's gonna be nice. awesome. Um, and then we'll probably usually our draw our our applications for residents here are in uh, May May to J- early June. So uh, we'll we'll put in for some controlled hunts and maybe try to draw some premium tags and whatnot and. There you go. And if we don't, if and when we don't, we'll just do over the counter. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So that's I know you're an Idaho problem. resident, but what's your opinion on the Idaho non-resident over the counter sales and how they're doing that? Oh man, it's, it's not a good system. Um, it's, and it's been a, quite a cluster a couple of years in a row now. And, you know, I have yeah. a couple of brothers that try to come back and hunt every year as well. And it's yeah. just hard to, outside of the the software itself not working well and freezing up this year that was that was rough um it's just it's i i get what they're trying to do and and i can appreciate that on some levels and and on other levels it's i wish if you're trying to plan a hunt and you know being that early in december it's kind of ridiculous to me um to have to decide if you're going to apply in idaho or not that's that's pretty early to yeah, you know, honey season might still be going on <laughs> for you. Yeah. Um, so, so that that's hard. And then I, I wish they, if you wanted to, to do a group hunt with some friends or brothers or that kind of thing, family, I wish yeah. there's a way you could do some kind of group application so they you can plan together or not. You know, there's yeah. a lot of ways they could make that better. But yeah, definitely. But, you know, yeah, hopefully they make some changes going into next yeah. year. But we yeah. will see. Most time fishing game agencies aren't the most. Yeah in tune with what people want yeah yeah they're, they're pretty slow to move on things too so i wouldn't yeah. count on it <laughs> yeah definitely yeah arizona just did something kind of similar it didn't go as bad as idaho but for non-resident okay. over-the-counter gear tags they put a they put a quota on it for okay for 2023 they only sold 2900 of them so okay. i think it was i think it was december 1st also the same day idaho tags went on sale but gotcha. right at midnight, right when it rolled over December first, that those tags went on sale. So I had to. I just oh, moved wow. down here a couple months ago, so I'm still a non-resident. So I had to oh, wake gotcha. up at like 11:50 at night to <laughs> buy my deer tag for this year, and yeah. I ended yeah. up having to. It was a little stressful. I mean, I had to refresh the page quite a few times, and it took a little longer yeah. than, it, than I thought. But I got right. purchased, and I mean, those tags ended up being sold out. I think just over mm-hmm. 24 hours, they sold out of non-resident tags. So oh wow that's crazy but yeah yeah another one that made a lot of changes to the -the over-the-counter system this year and working at Mm. the archery at an archery shop i get there's always people that come in and it seems like everybody's upset with it but Mm -hmm. i don't hate it like i understand the Mm -hmm. whole quota system of you know Mm -hmm. once a certain amount of deer are killed in a unit that units closed down and right people are upset about not getting to hunt the january rut but my thought on it is is like yeah, it sucks not being able to hunt the rut, but it's also probably better for the animals that they get to run sure, yeah. undisturbed and be able to yeah. get that population back up. So Yeah, yeah. And there's still plenty no of doubt. units that are, that are open. You know, guys mm-hmm. are just upset that their little honey hole that they've hunted for the last 
25 years isn't open anymore so right right but yeah I hear you but yeah it's it's a it's a not a not a poor man's game that's for sure between the out-of-state fees and if you want to build points you know yeah. point system is its own beast as well and it gets pretty expensive if you want to try yeah. to hunt multiple states <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, especially when most states requiring you to buy a hunting license even if you just want points and mm-hmm. yeah you yeah. can it kind of sucks that it is a you know get, mm-hmm. i don't want to say a rich man's game because i'm not rich by any means and i still yeah. have to get out and hunt multiple oh, states sure. most years but you know yeah. it does like you said it does take some money but yeah i mean even if I would say most states you can find, if you're a resident in any Western state, you can find a good hunting opportunity in your state. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. So kind of tell me about what you said a little bit at the beginning, but tell me about this backwoods pursuit thing, how it came to be. And then, you know, how your whole thing works and all that. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. You know, probably gosh, what years ago, you know, before, uh, before it started, before it, even had the thoughts of, of putting together a, 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 a gear review website and channel and whatnot is did a lot of, you know, tinkering and playing with and testing gear and that sort of thing. And, and at some point, I think my wife said to me, you know, you should do something with that because you're doing that anyways. So why don't you, yeah. you know, you know, try to try to put that into to written video form or something and maybe make a little side hustle out of it or whatnot. And, yeah. And so I kind of went, went about that and just started doing some freelance writing for a, a local shop here. And, nice. and after doing that for about a year, I decided I wanted to be able to reach and review more products than just what they carried. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of decided to, to put together the, the website and uh, build that and, and then uh, and figure out how to, how to do that, how to, you know, how to do SEO so people can find the articles, how to, how to, film video uh, how to you know start a youtube channel and whatnot and, mm-hmm. and so i just started learning all of that and and uh just writing and filming about uh, gear that i mostly that i already had and I started building some some content that way and and then it just kind of has, has grown into uh, to where you know now i'm trying to put out an article and a video every week um, on different pieces of gear and, and some of it's review, most of it's review work and some of it is, you know, informational type, uh, type videos and that sort of thing. Um, you know, and then I've been building a team as well and we've got 11 of us now that that are on the team that help review and test gear and, and uh, so we can keep more content coming and, and, uh, and try to keep that publishing going and, and uh, and it's just it's been a lot of fun and it's been fun building the team and been fun seeing how everything has come together with with uh, reviews and being able to put together some of these big comparison type articles and, and reviews and and uh, you know things with optics and those sorts of things that are they're real hard to review you mm-hmm. know on one at a time and I'll put some of those side by side and yeah and just build a knowledge base and, and experience with different products and be able to help people and. We get a lot of messages from folks, you know, I'm looking to get a sleeping bag or a tent or whatever, you know, this is what I'm going to be using for, you know, what do you think? You know, so mm-hmm. I'd love to help folks out that way too, whenever I can. So nice. Yeah. How are you getting most of those products to review? Is it kind of a mix between you reaching out to companies, companies reaching out to you or how does that yeah, work? Yeah, both, uh, both it's as, of course, as it's grown and there's, you know, more, more of a, a base there then then i get folks a lot of folks will reach out and 
and so I kind of have to decide which projects I want to tackle as well. But there's also quite a few times where I say I want to do a a big binocular review or a big spotting scope review, or like right now I'm working on a a big uh, cooler uh, review with a kind of a focus on if folks are going to be out hunting for a week and whatnot, and they need something to store their, their game yeah. that they may harvest, you know, awesome. kind of test all the performance metrics on, on those things and chart and, okay. and uh, put that together. So that's you know, a big project that I've been wanting to do. So I'll, so I'll reach out if I need to, if there's something that I'm looking to do and depending on what projects, either myself or some of the team members are looking, looking to, to tackle then we'll kind of put it together. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a mixture. Nice. Nice. And then yeah. when it comes to, I mean, I know every product's going to be different, but what are kind of mm-hmm. like, like the staples that you're looking for when you're reviewing a product? Is it like durability? Is it, you know, material quality? Kind of what are your, what's your checklist as you're going through and thinking about a product? Yeah, it's, it's very individual to the product for sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, try to approach the reviews and, and encourage the, the guys that, that help, uh, that when we're, when we're looking at a product, it was created for a reason by whoever designed and created it and trying to identify, you know, why would, why was that created? What was the purpose behind it? You know, who is that going to be, who's going to be interested in that? Yeah. Um, and, you know, realizing that my personal preferences on things are not necessarily what somebody else uh, may be looking for in, in whatever the product is. And so we, we try to approach the reviews of just sharing the experience that we had, the good and the bad experiences, but also realizing, you know, say if I don't like the X product because it's too heavy for me, that may be exactly what somebody else needs because they're doing something different than what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so some of those, those types of, uh, of approaches to where, you know, every product has its pros and cons and it doesn't matter how cheap or expensive it is. Um, it, there's going to be a, a, a place that it's going to be well used in a place that it's not. Um, and so we try to try to identify those and in, in the various material qualities and and what goes into the designs and, and the reasons for the designs to to hopefully again help folks decide what what they need and what they don't need and what what's going to be best for them and as they're putting together their different gear kits for whatever they're they're headed out to do. Nice, nice. Well, let's kind of get into what we what I brought you on to talk about. Something we were talking about. Yeah. You know, a few weeks ago when we first started talking, this is kind of going on to kind of run down a, a list of, you know, kind of, I don't want to say the essentials, but just things people that yeah. if they want to get into backpack hunting, what they need to start thinking yeah. about, the pieces of gear that they should spend money on, um, right. things like that. So you said you had a checklist. Let's kind of yeah start working down that. Yeah. Yeah. There, I put one on the website as well. Actually, it's not on the website. It's if you subscribe to be like a, a, a member if you will it's free and whatnot but basically just gives you access or to what i call them our backcountry library which is if you're totally into nerding out about gear and specs and everything there's a a whole bunch of charts and excel spreadsheets that i use to to do the reviews with all the specs that don't necessarily make it in all the reviews but you can download any of those and but in that download section is also a a gear checklist for some some backcountry hunting Um, so you can that's you know feel free to use that and put the weights in there and kind of calculate how much weight you're going to be carrying to help you out that way. But, nice. um, but yeah, so there's, there's depending on what you're doing, how long you're staying and, and all those are, there's a lot of variables in deciding what you want to take, but, yeah. um, 
the you, know, you always have to start with the basics. I think you know a good pack, yep. a good pair of boots, a uh, good sleeping bag. You can't you can't stay out if you're not staying warm and you're not staying dry and you're uncomfortable because your boots or your pack or whatnot. And so those are really good places to start um, and then build off of that. Of course, uh, you know, people, you can make a, make do with very little as far as a tent or a shelter goes or, or go a lot of different directions there. But yeah. Um, yeah. I would start with a good pack and good boots, probably two of the most important things you can, you can pick up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, if you go out and you got to hike in, you know, three, four, five plus miles and you have a bad pack and a bad pair of boots, you're going to wreck yeah. your body on there and you're not going to yeah. be comfortable hunting the rest of the yeah. week if you're even able to make it out hunting. So, right. Exactly. I mean, when it comes to backpack hunting, it's one of those things like you either got to be really, really tough and get yeah. through all that <laughs> stuff or you've got to spend a little bit of money. Um, right. And I Preferably mean, when I both. first got into hunting and got into backpack hunting, um, yeah, like you said, you got to be both. But um, like I did the whole, I bought, you know, a cheap, you know, $150 pack off Amazon, a yeah. pair of cheap yeah. hiking boots and all that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I paid for it, but I, but I didn't know what I was missing out on, you know, right. now I'm at yeah. the point, you know, with the careers I've had and all that, that, you know, I know what good gear is and all that. And I have access right. to it. Um, yeah. But I guess the first thing is that pack, what are you? what's your preference on pack and then what kind of things are you looking for out of a pack? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's, we're blessed to have so many really good pack companies out there building some great packs, yeah. um, which that wasn't the case, not that many years ago. Um, and so certainly there's some that, that I have a personal preference on um, and it's more, more around a design rather than brand for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, you know, you have to kind of identify what body type you are and what the S curve of your back is. But for me, I need a, a real substantial and, and thick lumbar pad. That's one okay. of the things that's going to make or break me. Uh, but, but I just know that because I've tested a half yep. a dozen packs, um, which, you know, you might have to do that to identify, but I would, I would, you know, if you can do that, you know, it gets, something with almost no lumbar support and then something with moderate and then one with a real, uh, real thick lumbar support uh, and, and yeah. see what's most comfortable and it'll, your body will tell you what's right for you. Um, and try not to be married to a brand because your, your favorite brand might not be what's most comfortable for you, but you might commit yourself to that if you, if you, <laughs> if you let yourself, yeah. you know, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, that for me, that that's it, a real substantial lumbar pad. And then that just is going to transfer into better weight or load hauling ability. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, uh, I guess if you're thinking backpack hunting, for me, uh, some kind of breakaway pack is, is pretty much a must, something that I can put that meat between the frame and the bag yep. and then can still carry some kind of camp uh, or at least some gear uh, if you get an animal down and you got to head back to the truck. So you can not hamstring yourself on, on making an extra trip because your pack isn't, doesn't have the ability to do that. Um, so those are the, the biggest things for me. Um, the, the pack of the packs that I've tested, and I know I haven't tested them all, certainly. Um, there's some, some substantial brands they still need to, to test. But of the ones that I have, um, the, the ones that I've found personally to be the most comfortable is probably the, the most comfortable for me was the initial ascent because they have, it's the most substantial lumbar pad. Uh, that was one of the, one of the things that over the course of using it for two seasons, it, I really appreciated. And then 
the XL pack was also super comfortable for me. Okay. Um, so the those were the ones that that for me personally uh, I found to be the most comfortable. But but I also really liked the Mystery Ranch and actually that that Sitka uh, Mountain Hauler was really comfortable for me as well. Yeah. Um, so there's it it's kind of that thing where you might get one that uh, say. For me that mr ranch doesn't have a huge lumbar pad but it's pretty comfortable mm-hmm. but you know in my testing once i hit about 100 pounds it got really uh, uncomfortable for me um yeah but you yeah, know, up pound, to that point it was yeah yeah, yeah that 100 pound threshold is kind of where you can tell a, a good pack from a really really good pack um, right at yeah. least for your body yeah. most things yeah. under 100 pounds <clears throat> will feel pretty comfortable on a quality pack but once right. you get over that and are simulating like an actual pack out yeah. yeah that's where you know but. yeah yeah and and it might not be it most likely is not that it's just not a good pack it's just not right for your body yeah definitely yeah, yeah for me i'm using uh stone glacier packs and that's what yeah. i've been using for the last few years and i'm a big fan of that x curve yeah. frame and mm-hmm. for me kind of with you with a lumbar pad for me it's having that curved frame i've tried mm-hmm. i used a kuyu pack for a little bit with like that straight okay. like frame sheet um, right. I've tried on Mystery Ranch packs and XO packs mm-hmm. and all that, and just mm-hmm. having that straight frame doesn't work uh-huh. for me. Doesn't um, work, yeah. No, so having something with that curved frame, I re- like I said, I really like that X curved frame on the Stone Glacier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Excellent. But, yeah, and then I mean, if I had to pick one thing I didn't like about it, I think <laughs> that like the hip pads and the shoulder straps could use a little bit more padding, but sure, it seems to work just fine. And I've packed out yeah. plenty heavy loads in that. Right. I packed out. My one trip packing out my cow elk this year was probably it was at least a hundred pounds, if not one hundred and twenty. Um, yeah, and yeah. I mean, it, it sucked, but it wasn't unbearably co- uncomfortable. Right. So, right. But that's yeah, kind of a big sure. thing for me, and I agree. Having that load shelf is definitely definitely a must. I know some people mm-hmm. um, would rather just have a bigger, you know, cubic inch bag and be able to mm-hmm. put meat in the bag. And I I see yeah. the pros and cons to both of them, but for sure. me, the load shelf has been been the way yeah. to go but i've never really tried packing out meat in a bag so yeah yeah i mean and a, a small thing that that i found to make a really big difference is that load shelf is well the positioning of that load shelf because you don't want that yeah. that load to ride down on your butt or below the frame it needs to be like you know mid to three quarters of the way down your back yeah um to keep that load because it's going to want to sag on you anyways and so yep. the positioning of that is is really critical and something to pay attention to as you're looking through packs yeah, that's another thing that my stone glacier has. That one sits probably yeah. just a little bit above the small of your back would be where the bottom yeah. of that load shelf is. Yeah. But yeah, yeah compared that's... to like some like, you know, Mystery Ranch, who I think makes a phenomenal mm-hmm. backpack, their load shelf, though it sits at the bottom. And I've heard people, yeah. that's been a complaint yeah. of Mystery Ranch packs that I've heard from people. Um, yeah. But I think no, I, I agree. probably yeah. has the most comfortable shoulder straps and hip belt um, out of mm-hmm. any pack. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's a that's exactly what I thought. I with that Mr. Ranch pack, that's uh, you know that's one that we we tested this year as well. And, and that that load shelf is it for for me. It's it's lower than than I like it, yeah. um, but it is it's a comfortable pack though. And yeah. and uh, it, there's there's a lot really love about that as well. So there's yeah there's there's good and there's good and bad about just about everyone out there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. What's kind of your, what's your minimum like cubic inch size for say like a five day hunt? I figure that's probably a common time frame for a yeah. backpack hunt for most guys. Uh, you know, 
gosh, you wouldn't want to, I, I don't think, unless you have really elite gear, um, you know, ultralight everything and ultra compact and are really good at packing, I probably wouldn't go smaller than, you know, 4,500 cubic inches yeah. or something like that. Um, Cause they just, if nothing else, five days of food takes up quite a bit of space. Yeah. Um, and you add in your, you know, of course, depending on if it's late season or early season, that makes a big difference on what you need. Um, yeah. But, you know, I've, I've put four or five days in a, in that, in a 4,500 cubic inch pack um, and with, with, you know, relative ease on an early season hunt, but then going on a three to four day late season hunt where you're taking a wood stove and, those kinds of things that gets pretty tight for, uh, you know, and then all the extra clothing that you need and that sort of thing. So, yeah. so, uh, the season plays a big role in that, of course, but yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So I, I agree right around that, you know, like you said, no less than 4,500 for a five day, but I just yeah. say good rule of thumb. If you're kind of in that like five to eight day range, probably you're looking mm-hmm. at like thousand cubic inches per day, roughly. Yeah. 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 If you're getting over that, like, you know, those 10 plus expedition packs, it kind of yeah. stops at kind of that, you know, eight, 9,000 cubic inch for like the biggest packs out there. Right. Right. But yeah, yeah right around that 5,000. My big pack is a 6,400 from Stone Glacier. Okay. And I've done seven day, like early season archery mule deer hunts yeah. in that super easy. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I went on that Idaho bear hunt, we were planning on going in for like eight or nine days. And I barely okay. made it work. I was having to like strap my tent to the outside with a compression strap. Yeah, but it worked. <laughs> right, but sure. I wish I would have had like a seven thousand or eight thousand right. cubic inch pack. But right, no doubt. But yeah, so that kind of covers packs. I think boots would definitely be, if not the most important thing, they're the second most mm. to your pack. Right, for sure. What's your, what's your preference on boots? boot is there a certain brand or material that you like or um i more of a design than anything i, I really like for early season i like a, a shorter a hiker style boot okay um just because at least in idaho here it's, it's not a real wet climate so we don't typically need a lot of rain protection you know in september yeah. during archery elk hunting um so a, a lighter weight uh, boot you know does just fine in it i just feel like i'm a lot more efficient when i have that that type of a boot on yeah. uh, this last year i i used the crispy thor and really like those are some of my favorite boots that i've tried of, of the ultralight uh, style of a, of a boot they have a stiffer sole than i yeah. typically like um but but they were really really comfortable um so that's my preference typically um I don't, I don't love big, heavy leather boots until you get into you know, that October, November type of hunting where you need a little more protection from snow and wet weather and, and nasty weather um, where you're wearing gaiters a lot, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll typically move over to that type of boot once the, once the weather hits. And um, it's just those lighter weight boots. Just They're just not, you know, they're, a lot of times they're Cordura, that sort of thing. They're just not really designed for that, that style of hunting that typically you're your tread is not as deep either. So you don't get as much traction in snow. Yeah. Um, all those kind of type of things. So for those reasons, I'll, I'll typically move over to a more heavy duty leather boot, maybe an eight or even maybe a 10 inch, but typically it's like an eight inch with gaiters or something like that as you get into later season. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm definitely yeah. more of a fan of synthetic boots for as, you know, as late into the season as I can get by with. Yeah. Um, yeah. But 
lately I've been using the the Hanwag Alverstones, which are a leather okay. boot. Um, yeah. And they're a little bit taller boot than I've ran in the past, but I really like those boots. They're kind of that. Yeah. They're a mid range kind of flexibility. They're not, you know, they're not a mm-hmm. trail runner, but they're not a stiff mountaineering boot. Um, right. by any means, but those have kind of been my go-to, but I do mm-hmm. for the last few years before this one, I have been running like a really stiff boot. Um, a couple mm-hmm. different models from Salewa. Okay. I've, I've liked those boots a lot. Um, I would say the one downside I've had with Salewa is that for whatever reason, the rubber they use on their tread doesn't seem to be as durable as some other brands out there. So it kind of okay. wears down a little bit quicker. So maybe I try a little to... softer. Yeah, it seems to be a little bit softer, okay. Um, okay. even though it's still like a, a Vibram sole, all that stuff that, you know, pretty much every high end company has. It just seems to be a right. little softer, softer yeah. rubber. Um, Interesting. But yeah, so yeah. I try to keep those boots for when I really need a stiff boot, um, even right. though I, I like them a lot. But mm-hmm. And their boots are even probably more so than Pac's uh, personal preference and, yeah. and fit is, you know, everybody's feet is so different and. Yep. Uh, and to get blisters and how much you know, arch support you need, you know, obviously you may have to go with some kind of custom insoles or something like that. Like I ran the sheet feed this year and those are phenomenal for me. Yeah. Um, those super comfortable made a diff- big difference, but I've used like the super feet trailblazers for a lot of years and, and those are a lot more affordable and have mm-hmm. done really well also. So you may need to go like something like that, but I've, it's interesting that I found even with real high-end boots, you can spend five hundred dollars on a pair of boots, but you're replacing the insoles right away, just because they, for some reason, they just are never, never just quite right. It seems like. And, yeah. You know. And that's something. <laughs> when I was working, I worked at Go Hunt when we brought on boots. I was part of that whole yeah. thing of adding boots to the gear shop, so I learned a ton there. And like pretty much every boot manufacturer admitted it. Like, yeah, we expect and you know pretty much want everybody to replace the insoles. Like. Yeah insoles right. are a pretty personal thing so we're spending you know as little bit on a pair of insoles as we can so we can put more right. of that in the boot um yeah that makes sense so, and i mean there's some really good stock ones out there like i do like the the stock insoles in a salewa and the, uh-huh. on some of the salewa ones you can actually custom fit it to have a little bit tighter fit or looser fit okay. and all that just by a, a piece that velcros on and off of the insole yeah um so i do like those but yeah definitely a an aftermarket insole whether you go all out on a sheep feed or Mm-hmm. a little bit cheaper i've been using the the obas insoles okay. which are similar yeah. price to a lot of the ones that you would walk into like your local pharmacy and find um yeah but they seem to be a little bit higher end um, okay so i've been really liking liking those for a cheaper option um you bet yeah but then yeah like you said boots are a super personal personal fit yeah. that you really got to go in and try them on which is tough there aren't many right. shops that there aren't many shops that have you know all the high-end pairs of boots so right yeah it's so tough it's just, hopefully you can find a store that has a good return policy because you might need <laughs> right pair of boots. yeah but yeah i mean it, whether or not you get blisters you know some people really do and and maybe that gore-tex uh, the waterproof liner in there is is a big cause for that i've heard some folks have found that to be the case so their feet just sweat too much and so you try to find a boot that doesn't have gore-tex of course you don't have any waterproofing protection there other than mm-hmm. the leather or whatnot but you know, maybe, maybe that's your thing, or maybe you have to have the water protection, have a Gore-Tex liner or whatever brand is being used by the company. And there's just, yeah. there's a lot of factors there in the width and the, yeah, you know, the, the last, if it's semi-curved or straight or real curved or whatnot, that 
you know, that you can really get into to find a, find a good fit for you. But once you do, it's hard to change. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I would say another thing with boots is make sure you pair it with a good sock. If you spend $500 yeah. on a pair of boots and then wear cheap cotton socks, it's not going to work yeah. out very well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, Definitely you like might as well just get cheap boots yeah. at that point. But <laughs> Right. Exactly. But, no doubt. Yeah. I've, I've been using – I really like the Darn Tough 2011s. Um, yeah. The 2012s seem to give me blisters. But okay, yeah, darn tough farm defeat. I don't know. Are okay. there any other socks that you have found that work pretty good for you? I've been, you know, I've been using the. Uh, actually, I got some off Camel Fire years ago. This some uh, fairly inexpensive Lorpen. Um, I think it's their brand or something. I've used those, but I've, I've started using those mortars around the house. Uh, I uh, started using some of the first light, the lighter weight ones, a couple of years ago. I bought a few pairs and just been using them till they they wear out and they've they've treated me real well um they've held up um for you know for wool socks the wool socks don't last the longest anyways but they've been good yeah um that's not something i've really dove into as far as reviews but um haven't had to buy any more of recent years so i've yeah. stuck with those because they've been working real well there you go nice yeah. well what's uh what's next on the list what do you uh we got time for we can probably get through a few more key gear <laughs> items here but what's next after, you know, once you get your packs and boots, what are you yeah. going into? Um, I would say your, your tent, your, your, basically your, your camp set up your tent, sleeping bag, pad and yep. pillow. Yep. Um, you know, if you can't be comfortable at night, you're going to get tired. You're going to want to go home a lot faster. <laughs> yeah. Um, staying warm, having a place to, to get warm. Um, and probably of those, the most critical I'd say is the, the sleeping bag. You know, with a real close second being the pad being the right r rating mm-hmm. uh, for you so um you know sleeping bags are, are can be a hard thing uh, whether or not you're a fan of quilt or a sleeping bag but regardless um, the biggest thing that i was trying to tell people is make sure you're looking at the, the comfort rating and not the lower limit rating when you're picking what temp rating you want um just you see that happen all the time someone says i, I got a 30 degree bag but it was only 30 degrees and it should have been fine it's like well that's the lower limit or you know aka you survived but it wasn't fun rating (laughs) so uh you know every company does that a little bit different it seems like there's more and more giving you that comfort rating up front which is nice yep um because there for a long time it seemed like it was hard to find it was you know not as right right in your face as it probably should be but there's a lot of folks that are, are doing that, which is awesome now. Yeah. So. I think that's been a cause of, or, or, or a result of people like you doing gear reviews and kind of bringing that more to light. Um, yeah. I've seen that too on the archery side, you know, bow reviews have become more popular. So yeah. the advertised speed of a bow is becoming more and more honest. Um, right. Yeah. So I, I think you're seeing that through all, all the kind of departments of the outdoor right. industry that, things are becoming more and more honest as gear review and yeah. you know, the ability to find things easily online is becoming more and more yeah. popular. Right. But. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. And uh, along those same lines, depending on what uh, climate you're in, if you're in you know, a, a real wet climate then folks will typically want to go with a synthetic type of a bag or quilt. Uh, whereas if, if that's not necessarily the case, you're not worried about you know, getting wet and down and it seems to be the choice because of the weight savings and the, how compact it is Yeah, as far as your sleeping bag and quilt. But Because um, we don't have, a, like I mentioned, a ton of rain typically here in Idaho, so I typically 
prefer down myself. Yep. Um, but that wouldn't, that, that could change depending on if I went somewhere, somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I like a down bag. I'm using uh, a bag from Marmot right now, which mm-hmm. I found to be, it's not, you know, as expensive as, you know, like a Stone Glacier or a, um, yeah. what's the other one I'm thinking of? Western Mountaineering, probably. Yes, that's the one right yeah. there. Um, yeah. It's not like your top end sleeping bag, and the price reflects yeah. that. And right, but I mean, it's done fine for me. It certainly doesn't compact down as small as some of those ones, but right, you know, for the price, I think that one's one of your better yeah. options. Big Agnes has yeah. some good, cheaper options as well, but yeah, but again, I mean, it takes up quite a bit more room in my pack than one of those right. higher end ones would. Yeah. So, yeah. The the. That price point when you go from say a seven hundred fill down to a nine hundred or nine fifty is substantial. Yeah. Um, to, to get that, that that weight savings, which is fairly minimal, and then the the how you how much it compacts down in your pack. Yeah. But, uh, if you can, great, but it's not necessary necessarily. <laughs> um, but, yeah. 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 Weight saving that you that price but for some people yeah yeah definitely yeah um now that the along the same lines that picking the right pad with a high enough r value is is just as critical because if you can have a you know a zero degree bag and and put it on a a summer mat and you're going to get cold and matter yeah cold from the ground yeah and so yeah, general rule, you know, if, if I'm in archery season here, you know, it it might freeze overnight, but typically it doesn't you know, here in yep. Idaho, unless there's a, some kind of cold front that moves through. So something in that three to, you know, three-ish range is usually good enough here for for September. Um, and then if you're going to be getting into some, you know, below freezing down to zero, you know, something that four to five R values, you're definitely going to want that. And you get much below that, you're going to want, you know, something in that six to seven range to make sure you're not getting cold. Yeah, definitely. What are you taking as far as like the size of your pad? Are you, you know, going with a heavier pad that's, you know, a big, tall, wide sleeping pad just to have some extra comfort? Or are you cutting weight and, you know, sacrificing some comfort to go with a smaller pad? Um, I've always gone with the just the standard 20-inch uh, width pad, maybe 20 or 21 just because I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm 5'11 and 185 or so. So I, that, that fits me well enough. Yeah. Um, this year I did, I did do a, a wide pad this year. Um, and it is nice. And I'm not going to lie there. It, it is nice yeah. to have that extra width. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, for however many extra ounces, you know, four or five ounces extra, whatnot, it, you know, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't do that. It is kind of nice to have an extra size, but but on the other side of that, though, if you have a, a tent that if you, especially if you're sharing a tent with, with a buddy or whatnot, and you have a, an ultralight two-person tent and two wide pads don't even fit in most of those tents, no. so you can't do that. So you got to go with a bigger tent if you're going to do that. So the, everything yeah. just snowballs into extra weight if you do that. So, yep. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's one thing leads to another. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, sleeping pads is one that I've, you know, I've just been okay with carrying a little bit of extra weight. I carry one of those big, you know, big agnes you know tall yeah. wide that's like you know three inches three and a half inches thick when it's fully blown up like right it's basically a, a full-size air mattress at that point right um, yeah and it's super comfortable i love it but it is it is heavy but mm-hmm. but yeah now this year on those pads uh pad side of things i tested the new lineup 
uh, the new XPED lineup in their Ultra series. Nice. Uh, the th the three R, the five R, and the six or seven R. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're all the XPED is some of my favorite mats out there. They're not certainly the cheapest, of course, but no. but they they seem to perform above their their R rating for me. They they you know like I used I've used their the three R, which I think a two point nine R value is the actual R value. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's done well down below freezing for me, and which is pretty good for for something that right at that three R value rating. Um, and it's it's super lightweight; it's right around a pound, if I remember right, um, wow. and compact. So it's it's really warm for the weight, and it's, and it's two and a half inches thick, so you're not giving up much that way. Yeah. Um, you know, their their seven R is a down mat, and it's again, it's not that not that not that cheap, but again, it's it's uh, maybe a pound and a half, but it's a seven R value. And it's three inches thick, and it's just so comfortable. Um, yeah. So, you know, you can use some of those things, like you said, you you pay a little extra in price tag, and and maybe a little bit extra size. Uh, well, some of those, some of them not, but uh, yeah. but I'm willing to do that for for comfort when you're sleeping because that's one of those critical pieces that keeps you out there. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's worth it to me. Definitely. Yeah. Are you? Do you like bringing a pillow too, or are you just you know kind of rolling up your down jacket in a little ball? kind of guy no i'm i'm a fan of a pillow i i don't sleep well if i don't have a, the the right height pillow yeah you know it's it probably sounds like a sissy but that's just you know it <laughs> yeah. is what it is so <laughs> no, i bring a so, pillow too I, yeah I'm so i I've, I've, i haven't actually yet found one that is uh, that is thick enough um, <laughs> but my favorite one is the that bed down pillow Okay. Um, and it's it's pretty good but what i do is i take that and then i stuff my my down jacket underneath that and then it's probably like a baby if i i have that so yeah <laughs> so it's uh but there i just you know but i'm a side sleeper so i need something you know pretty yeah. tall to keep you know so if you're not though then either way it's uh i, I say it's a pillow is worth it to me but definitely yeah, yeah i just have one of those <laughs> the little sea to summit i think it's the arrows or something like that just yeah to, yeah one that you blow up and it's okay. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think those ones that's like an actual like pillow pillow that just compress right. it down is a lot more comfortable. And right. you know, I might end up going to one of those here pretty soon because that Sea to Summit one, especially once mm -hmm. you get it blown up, has a tendency to want to you know kind of go running off your sleeping pad in the middle of the night. Yeah. So yeah, right, right. But yeah, I started, I started uh, because that was always happening, right? And, you yeah. know, I was losing your pillow. I started. I took one of those quilt straps. Um, you know, from, I think it was an enlightened equipment quilt that I had. And so I, I kind of manufactured a way to strap that down onto the pad. So I don't have to worry about go. that. It stays there all, all night. So that was my makeshift fix for losing my pillow all night. <laughs> yeah. And then you mentioned tents. Let's get into that real yeah. quick. Um, yeah. kind of round out your whole sleeping and camp system. You bet. Um, yeah. Kind of going to tents. What are you, what are you running for that? What are you considering when it comes to choosing a tent? Um, again, it's going to be a lot of what, what I'm yep. going to pick is depending on the season and the yeah. trip. Um, if I am, you know, if I'm not sharing a tent, of course, I'll take a one person tent. Um, I really, you know, I, because I've got, had the, the luxury of, of playing with a lot of Dyneema tents. I, I prefer Dyneema cause it's just so light. Mm -hmm. I like the one that I'm working on review on right now. They use this last year is, that uh, new Z packs uh, Plex okay. Solo, that's 13.4 ounces and it's huge inside for one person. 
and it's i mean it's the size of a water bottle so right. it's it's got a full floor you know and I, I like a floor in a tent that's just me personally but you know, a lot of folks are fine without that and that's fine too yeah. you know save some weight if you don't have that floor yeah. um, but for me personally especially early season i just i like to have a floor a floor and, and you know bug protection and whatnot because it yep. can be 80 degrees even 90 degrees sometimes in september here and there's a lot of bugs sometimes so i'd like to keep those <laughs> at bay yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing i always hear like you know are doing the whole tarp thing and they're super yeah. lightweight and i get it but when, mm-hmm. and whenever i think about a tarp i just imagine you know like bugs in my sleeping bag and that, right. that conversation right there i'm not doing right that. so i just <laughs> yeah. like I, i'm running like a full tent i'm not even doing the tarp yeah. before it's a full enclosed oh yeah you know, yeah two wall tent <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a, yeah, a a double wall, single wall is another part of that discussion, but I'm, I'm a full, a fully enclosed tent fan. That's just me personally. I just, again, some will say I'm a sissy and that's fine. That's just my preference. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but yeah, a double wall, single wall is another discussion. Um, Typically I'm fine with the single wall myself, but you do have to deal with condensation. Um, yeah. You're going to have more of those issues. You know, so if you're getting ready in the morning, you're going to brush the side of the tent and it's going to be wet, especially if it gets you know cold at night. Um, so you're going to have, have that to deal with, but, but it doesn't really bother me. And I haven't had much of an issue that uh, with, with those setups, um, but it, yeah. you know, double wall is nice though. Um, especially when you have two people in a tent, your conversation is a lot worse with two people, especially in the single wall. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, two two doors is nice, of course, if you have two yep. people. Otherwise, one is fine. Um, but yeah, I tested this year also that Durston X Mid Pro, um, and that it's a it's kind of a goofy looking tent, but it is awesome. It's another one that's right around twenty ounces and, and fits two people really well, and with a fully enclosed inner and and whatnot. So it's it's another another great option for saving some weight. But again, that's going to be on the more expensive side. Um, you know, more budget friendly are some of those uh, six moon designs tents. They make okay. some really good tents for, for a little bit less money, but they're still nylon, which is still really nice. And they have yeah. a really good waterproof rating on their, their tents and their floors and their, their canopies are, are more substantial than most others out there, particularly for their price point. Uh, so they do a, a real good job that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've so there's a, yeah. a big Agnes tent for uh-huh. last years that, uh, um, it's that bright yellow one. I forget what it's called. Uh, it's yeah, the Fly Creek, I think. I Tiger Wall. That's what it is. Tiger Wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Two person tent is what they say, but you'd have to really, really <laughs> second person. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that's that kind of goes. If it's a two person tent, you're gonna yeah, be pretty close to each other. Right. Um, you want to treat yep. two person comfortable tent, you might be having to look at it. But um yep. but yeah, I like it. I mean another thing like even if you're hunting, hunting early season, you may super lightweight kinda I don't want dainty mm-hmm. above the timber line. Right. As far as that. And I've had that right. issue with my tent before and it was part of it was my fault of just all the guy outlines, but I've broken it. Right. Where I didn't use the guy yeah. outlines and camp in the middle of the day, and my tent was blown over. So, right. Something to think about. Um, yeah. You know. Yep. Sure. Durable to that. 
they're able to, you know, when it's getting mm-hmm. that, but right, yeah, 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 certainly, yeah, they're certainly not all created equal, but no, um, not at all, yeah, yeah, you're and you're typically going to spend more. Um, yeah. to get lighter with with most things that seems to be the yep. way it is and uh, yeah. but uh it's kind of it's kind of like optics the law of diminishing returns spend a lot more to save a little bit of weight and that continues on up the the price point typically <laughs> yeah yeah you could say that for pretty much any piece of gear there are yeah. too many once you get above kind of that high end and like the ultra high end stuff sometimes that price right. jump is a bit more than it should be for what you're getting Exactly. But, yeah. But there are certainly yeah. some things that it's worth it for. Yeah, absolutely. But, cool. Well, we covered packs, boots, and kind of your sleeping and camp system. Is there anything else, like mm-hmm. any other, like you know, things that you have to have really dialed before you go into the backcountry? Just more so out of a safety thing. Um, um you know, I always take an extra pair of socks. Uh, that yeah. is, is you know, you just to have them, sleep in them you know, change your socks at night, keep your feet warm, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, headlamps, extra batteries. You always want to have an extra set of batteries or if it's rechargeable, a way to recharge your, your headlamp. Your water filters, um, you know, there's a ton out there. We can talk a lot about there, those, but yeah. uh, make sure you have a good water filter, way to get clean water. Um, some kind of, you know, power bank, GPS navigation system, whether that's your phone and a you know, power power bank of some kind, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, cook systems. There's a, a bunch of those out there, but you know, we've done some reviews on most of those things and some testing on some different items. So you can find a lot yeah. of that stuff over on the website and whatnot. But yeah, um, but yeah there's, there's a lot you can really play with oh, to yeah. get dialed in. <laughs> yeah. What's but, your preference yeah. for water filtration? Are you bringing tablets? Are you doing a pump or a straw or? like an inline um, system or yeah i've done i've, I've liked the uh the catadine be free system um, okay. and that's just like a gravity a, a gravity inline type system uh, where well it's not even line but uh, you fill it up in a in a water source and then hang it from a tree by camp that and then you can go ahead and fill your bladders and whatnot with that um, but if you don't have a, a water source that's that you're able to fill you know through that kind of a it's like a three liter bag bag i believe um, yeah. Then, then the pump is is the way to go because you can get more water out of a lot smaller water source with a pump. So if you are not sure about you know the water sources, you haven't been there before, probably a better idea to take a pump. Uh, and and I always yeah. take tablets as a safety measure, in, you know, yep. in case you know to if you, <laughs> whoever is out you know back, uh, doing some scouting one year and just could not find water. And the only thing we could find was this nasty pond that was stagnant and it's like well you know let's let's double filter and and uh and use the tablets because this is kind of what it is yep. <laughs> you know yeah. so so always have that there as well um, as a backup but yeah um, yeah i agree i'm always i still have a, a bottle of those the iodine tablets and i'm once yeah. i get through those then i'll get in like the msr aqua tabs that seem to be mm-hmm. taste a little bit better than the iodine tablets but um yeah but then for my pump, I'm using or it's not even a pump. It's it's made by Platypus, and it's similar to like a a life straw or a uh, yeah something like that. But it pumps so much faster. Um, okay, you just fill up a little right. like water reservoir, and it screws onto the end of it, and you just yeah. squeeze that little reservoir through there, and 
Right. It goes through it a lot faster than like a, I guess it's more similar to like a Sawyer system. Right. Um, right. But it's just a lot faster. So I've, I've been yeah. really liking, liking that. And then yep. just using just like a three liter, you know, hydration bladder in my pack. And, mm-hmm. you know, if yeah. water is a concern, I'll pack in like a big, you know, six liter or, you know, like MSR drum light or something like that to yeah. pack water back to camp. But right. Yep. Most yeah, places I've hunted, nice I can, I can, you know, pretty much see a, a lake or a stream um from pretty much anywhere the one yeah. place i've done most of my backcountry hunts in nevada there's okay. a ton of water there so oh good yeah yeah and i guess one yeah. last thing i was trying to have some kind of whatever you want to call it a night bag system you know so that you're whether like i wear contacts which is a pain uh, mm-hmm. but you got to be able to to have have those and i was trying to bring some kind of wipes you know if you're going to be out there for very long it's kind of nice to, to have those available for your, your hands and wipe yourself down that sort of thing yeah um a gold bond if you you know, have any if it's especially if it's hot out that can be a lifesaver yeah um take a sleep aid if you have trouble sleeping at night uh you have some kind of uh, whether you know wilderness athlete makes some i think uh, uh-huh. a bunch of other folks do you know those can be helpful and then just Tylenol, Advil, and then if you are prone to allergies at all, you know, to, to bring something for that so you can keep yourself somewhat comfortable. You know, some of those things that are that weigh nothing but can really be make things a lot more comfortable if you're running into some issues. Yeah. How in, how intensive of a, like a medical or first aid kit are you bringing? Um, I wouldn't say it's ultralight by any stretch, um, but you know, I try to keep a, a – it's a substantial enough one. I've got a, you know, a couple tourniquets and, you know, some, uh, uh bandages and, um, you know, I think it, it probably weighs a pound, a pound and a half, something like that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's easy to want to skimp on that. Um, but it's the last thing you want to skimp on if you need it. So it's yeah. one of those things that, that, that yep. I, I put together a pretty, pretty solid one. Um, and it, it sucks that it's, weighs a pound or a little over a pound but i think it's worth it if you ever needed it yeah i agree yeah I, mine's probably about the same and again i'm keeping turner kits and bandages and yeah you know burn dressings things like that um yeah you know and it's probably you know hopefully it's the one thing in my backpack that i'll in my backpack that i'll never use but it's right at, exactly you know at some point it might be the most important thing in my backpack so yeah yeah but I think yeah i mean we've had had, had that had that situation where we've needed to to use it had a, a an injury years back and dad was injured from you know we were field dressing an elk and had a pretty bad cut and so you know one of those things you don't want to have to use but yeah when you need it you need it <laughs> definitely so yeah yeah well that's yeah. cool is there any i guess before i let you go is there any gear that's kind of up and coming that you're excited about new things that are out um that people should be you know looking at trying um, let's see. Gosh, there's, um, there's always, it seems like there's always new stuff coming out for sure. Um, yeah. we've got some projects coming up and, you know, that'll be going out on the, the channel and the, the, the website there of some, some new optics there coming out. They're not yet released yet okay. here in a couple of weeks. So I, I can't talk about them yet, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but they'll, they'll be coming out some pretty, some pretty awesome new optics. And then we've got, um, uh, we've got a range finding binocular comparison review that's been working on for last year, year and a half or so. Yeah. Um, so that, that'll be coming up soon. And like I said, we're 
we've got a big cooler review coming up um well, we're gonna you know, test a bunch of those and um yeah so i mean there's there's always a ton of new products coming out it seems like it's hard to keep up with it all but yeah. um but yeah those those uh probably the one of the newer things that we recently tested was those uh or was that that durston x-mid pro 10 that i think that came out last year um, okay. and that's just been really really good design really weather uh, and storm worthy um, and it's a better price point than some of the other premium tents out there especially for the weight so that was it's been really impressive nice cool well before i let you go um two questions i want to ask every guest before i let them go yeah uh, one for a book recommendation reading is something that's important to me that i try to do quite often um so is there a book that that you know has kind of always been your favorite or is at the top of your list kind of book Oh yeah, for me, uh, it's always it's always been the Bible for me. <laughs> there you go. It's at the top of my list. So yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You no, know, I'm actually surprised. I figured that would be like one of the first ones that would get recommended. I think I'm. You're going to be like episode 15 or so, and I think you're the yeah. first one that's recommended it. Okay. <laughs> well, you could. But, yeah. yeah. But no, that's awesome. Um, and then, uh, last question is for a uh, a guest recommendation. Who's somebody you think I should? have on the podcast that can inspire people or educate people or something like that yeah um let's see if you're wanting to you guys we got some awesome team members that can have some areas of expertise that more so than myself if you want to get into more of the technicalities of some rifle hunting you know reloading long-range shooting got some guys that can recommend there um Roger on our team is is awesome. Uh, he knows a ton about that. Um, he'd be a good one to have on. He's 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 a real good hunter and, and does a lot. Um, a couple of him and his buddy both are um, they hunt together a lot and they they uh, some good folks to to have on talk about some of. They had some good adventures this last year. Um, what was his name again? Roger, Roger Holsher. Okay, I had him on a few episodes ago. So oh, did you? Okay, yeah, he yeah. was actually he, he recommended you, so that's how. Oh, there how I got cool. you on the podcast. <laughs> well, we talked about that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. It's all part of the plan. Yeah. No. Awesome. Well, if we got him already, let's see. Um, Kyle Camp just came on. Okay. Uh, came on board with us, and he is a different. He's on a different, um, different wavelength than as far as what he offers. He's in the nutrition side of things, and. Uh, he's a really great guy and has a ton of nutrition knowledge and, awesome. and, and, and it's, he started more in the, in the same space of you know, nutrition for the backcountry, backcountry hunter and his business is called Valley to Peak Nutrition. He'd be a okay. good one for, for kind of gearing up on the nutrition side of things when you're Definitely. looking to get out and do some backpack hunting. Yeah. I'll have to check him out. It sounds like somebody I'd love to have yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, you but. bet. Cool, man. Well, before I let you go, um, tell people how they can find you, how they can, you know, get yeah. a hold of your gear reviews and all that. You bet. Yeah. Uh, website is backwoodspursuit.com. Um, and the YouTube channel is just Backwoods Pursuit. Of course, same on the on the social media, Facebook and Instagram and whatnot. I think I have a Twitter account. I don't, don't do a whole lot over there either. But uh, those the, should be able to find articles on any of the stuff that we've reviewed just by Google and as well, we usually try to keep those coming up first page of Google if possible. And, and, uh, yeah, we've got a ton on there and always feel free to reach out and send us emails or our messages through different channels, whatever, you know, social media or whatnot, and love to help if we can. 
Awesome. And you mentioned earlier that you have like a paid portion of the site. Um, not really a paid portion. We've got uh, some folks like to put banner ads and whatnot on the site if on, on okay. the site if they want to advertise uh, on on the website. But no, we don't really have a paid per- paid portion. Okay. Yeah. Good. Cool, man. Well, was there anything else you wanted to say before I let you go? No, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun talking gear and, and uh, getting into some of the details and and uh, yeah, appreciate it. Awesome, man. Cool. Well, I hope you have a good hunting season. Have some successful draw draws yeah. and all that. And I will talk to you later. You too. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thank you guys for listening. Gabe, if you're listening, thanks for coming on. Hopefully we can do it again sometime and talk about some more gear. Um, real quick before I let you guys go, again, if you guys want to check out the podcast social media, it's barely underscore backcountry underscore podcast on Instagram. And then my personal is c.dillashaw. Make sure you guys give the podcast a like, a follow, give it a share to any of your friends that you think might enjoy. But that kind of covers it for this week, and I will see you guys next week. Thank you.